Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Four companies control over 80% of the U.S. meat industry, and that's crushing the family farm, and sticking you with sketchy meat. But it doesn't have to be this way. Moink is the new meat delivery service that ships the best-tasting grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. They don't bleach their chicken like Big Ag or use antibiotics, hormones, or any other sorts of funk. Moink's animals are raised outdoors, and their fish swim wild in the ocean. With Moink, you're saving the family farm while your family dines like royalty. Or I should say, how your family dines like the LaGrecas. Go to moinkbox.com busted right now for free ground beef for a year. That's a pound of the finest ground beef on earth in every one of your Moink boxes for an entire year for free. Offer extended through January 5th, spelled M-O-I-N-K, box.com busted. Moinkbox.com slash busted. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I look back at Monday Night Raw and what a show it was. How about this? Future Hall of Famer Rey Mysterio captures the United States Championship. Also, we get into Rusev, Lana, and Lashley, and I think a turn for the better in that storyline. And we talk to another future Hall of Famer, and that's Kane. That's right. Mayor Glenn Jacobs sits down with us to talk about his new book, Mayor Kane, My Life in Wrestling and Politics. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Rey Mysterio winning the four-way for a shot at the U.S. Championship against Orton McIntyre and Ricochet and then getting the match against AJ and winning that U.S. Championship. Pretty cool moment on Raw last night, Bully. I agree. It was good for Rey. Uh, he's been doing some great work. Did a great job the night before with uh, with Brock telling that story, him yep. and some Dominic. Um, wondering what road they're going to go down with Dominic, see if uh, he gets involved in the storyline. But, yeah, congratulations to Ray. Hopefully they have a good heel lined up for him because there's no – I don't see a natural heel for him right now. Maybe they'll start something up next week. Maybe that heel will be Dominic. Who knows? I mean, again – you don't know, question marks, because as we all know, as we were building towards Survivor Series, that there wasn't going to be a lot of fallout from Survivor Series. It's brand versus brand. Not much you can do coming out of that show. So we are getting new storylines, new beginnings, and things that we weren't expecting to see. And for me, Rey Mysterio, first of all, Rey Mysterio winning the four-way for a shot at the U.S. title, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think he was going to win that match. And then I hap- I definitely didn't see him beating AJ Styles. So kind of cool that Rey Mysterio has this second wind and kind of cool that you're getting things that you weren't expecting last night on Raw. Because, Bully, let's face it, a lot of times you can see what's happening on Raw from a mile away. Not the case last night. Um, the guy that I thought was going to go over last night was Drew McIntyre because Lord knows he deserves it. And he looked really, really impressive last night, as he does every week. Him and Randy have some amazing chemistry. When him and Randy were standing face-to-face and they were talking smack to one another, man, I could see that happening. And then Drew rifled that first chop off at Randy, and I can tell you Randy did not like (laughs) that chop. He sold it like he didn't like it, and I know for a fact that he didn't like it. That chop was in there, and it it, it stung. And um, he chopped him twice, and I don't know if you guys caught this, but you could they bleeped it out on the air. 
Randy looked at the referee. He looked down at the the, the print on his chest, and he went, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) And then when Randy rolled out of the ring, he looked down at his chest to look at the scar again, and he was making all sorts of these faces like, damn, this is a little too physical out here. But I I really like Drew and Randy sharing that spotlight and standing face-to-face and going toe-to-toe. I think that could be a hell of a... Hell of a little uh, match or angle or storyline because I believe that they had some great chemistry. You know what? And something that's very not Raw-like either is that the what was going on between the four of them, and you had faces and heels in the ring together, but it didn't really matter because it was all about the championship. You know, when you're getting a build where it's all about the brands and we're really not buying in because there really shouldn't be brand loyalty to begin with, and they, they kind of put championship runs and feuds on hold for this kind of, you know, insignificant storyline. It was cool seeing four wrestlers that are that as good as the four that were in the ring actually fighting for a chance at a championship. And I kind of liked it that it was physical because very rarely on WWE TV do we see the championship meaning a lot, and it meant something last night. Yes, I I liked the four-way. I liked the match between AJ and Ray. I kind of felt bad for for Ray for a second there because – you know, Ray's, you know, Ray's uh, up there, you know, doing the things that Ray has to do in a Ray match. Probably not as easy now as they were 20 years ago. So here he is in the four-way getting the job done. Then he's got to have a one-on-one match with AJ. Uh, but listen, he's Ray, it's Ray Mysterio. He's one of the greats. He did a great job last night. Can't say enough good things about him or his performance. I'm interested to see where they go with this U.S. championship. I'm interested to see where they go with the story with Dominic because I think that's where the story lies. Father and son, will they stick together? Will Dominic turn for some weird reason? Is Dominic a surprise in the Royal Rumble? Who knows? Does Dominic eliminate his father? (laughs) (laughs) You know, who knows? And, and, And for that reason... I want to tune in and watch. And you just said something that um, is very, very interesting, and it's true. And I think a lot of fans sleep on it when it comes to Rey Mysterio. You know, Rey Mysterio is 44. He's had a long career. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. When he's in the ring, you expect certain things from Rey Mysterio, kind of like the way we talk about Jeff Hardy. Matt Hardy is somebody that we saw last night. Matt Hardy, as he got older, kind of changed his style. Rey Mysterio, it doesn't matter if he's if he's 22, 32, 42, or 44. There's certain things that you expect from Rey Mysterio, and he still does it this far into his career. He hasn't changed at all, and he could tell that he doesn't want to disappoint his fans, and that must be a lot of pressure on somebody like Rey Mysterio. It's a ton of pressure because to do the things that Rey did 20 years ago uh, when he started doing it in Mexico and then in ECW and then in WCW and those matches with Eddie or with Dean or with any of those guys, especially with Dean, uh, any of those guys where he was flying all over the place and springboarding and West Coast popping and springboard moonsaulting and all that stuff that I invented. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, To do it at 44 is a little bit more difficult. You know, if you have a style like mine, or like you said, Matt Hardy's or Dreamers, where, you know, we're more ground wrestlers, we can be a lot more creative and we can work smarter. When you're a Rey Mysterio and you're hitting that 619 or that West Coast pop or any of those moves, people expect it. And in the past year, we've seen Rey slip up a little bit on a couple of these moves. And that's not to say that that can't happen to anybody, but hey, as time goes on, as you get a little older, these moves become a little bit more difficult, especially if you're not doing them every single night. Got to remember, Dave, back in the day, we were doing this 300 days a year. We were, we were well-oiled machines out there. When you, If Ray is not working every single night or not hitting these moves all the time because he's protecting himself and then he's going to go out there on TV and do them, it's a lot more difficult. He did him last night. He did a phenomenal job against a phenomenal uh, um, uh, opponent, and it came out and it came out well. It was a great. It was a great moment for fans. Yeah, and it's interesting to see again the dynamic because 
you know, AJ didn't want to get into that, uh, you know, didn't want to have that four-way match to begin with for his championship. And kind of like Gallows and Anderson threw him under the bus. They're like, yeah, you know what? He's got a good, you know, you know, they, that, that's a pretty good idea. I actually want to see that, AJ. Those two guys are so entertaining. I wish they would take the cuffs off them at all, also. Not just not, not just about their, their wrestling ability, because, listen, when those guys were in Japan as the Bullet Club and, and doing their thing, they were one of the best teams in the world at that time. Watered down once they got down to the WWE when it came you know to their in-ring wrestling. But they are very witty. They are very funny. They are very entertaining, and I bet you they would have us laughing our asses off if they would just let them do what they do. And, they, and last night, last night was a glimpse into it. I was, I was legit laughing out loud because of the way they're just like, uh, you know, I don't know, AJ. It's kind of a good idea, you know. It's Chicago, it's sold out. Uh, I don't know. I, it sounds good to me. <laughs> it was, it was a very, very good segment, and it led to two very, very good matches. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. I got the new book, Mayor Kane, My Life in Wrestling and Politics by Mayor Glenn Jacobs, who joins us now live in studio. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, you never bought me a shirt, dude. <laughs> me? That, yeah, you. <laughs> I'd buy you anything oh, you thanks, wanted, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get you a book just for that, brother. No, you're not. Thank he's you. not getting this one. I'll tell you that much. Um, I'm sorry that you had to walk in during an argument. It is Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of days, so I'm sure everybody's used to family <laughs> yes. arguments around Thanksgiving. So, why did you feel comfortable? Uh, listen, amazing. I mean, what your life has been over these last couple of years. Now, I guess it's been. Uh, Close to 15 months in office as you yes. know, Mayor Glenn Jacobs. I mean, what has these last 15 months been for you? And it's been a blast. It really has. Uh, this is a, it, it is a very fun job. I mean, you know, folks may not necessarily think that, but it really is. And you get to meet so many people and see the things that are going on in your community and uh, have an impact on things. So it's really been a lot of fun. Glenn, when did you first started? Uh, when did you first start getting interested in politics? I remember speaking about politics with you in the locker room. You know, just conversations here and there. But when did you know that this was really something that you were interested in? I've been interested in government and politics pretty much forever. Uh, my favorite subjects in school is probably history and uh, social studies when I was in high school, um, and then of course got doing other things. Of course, but uh, really, you know, ever since when I got into WWE, um, you know, and you you start having some success, and then you realize, golly, the uh, government takes like a lot of money from you, and you start paying attention where that money goes, and it's like, hmm, uh, maybe this is something I should really, really uh, uh, pay more attention to, um, and then. For a long time, I, I'm never, ever going to hold elected office. I'm never going to run for elected office, right? It's not something I'm interested in doing. And this was literally uh, one day I woke up and uh, just had this idea in my head and thought about it some more. And this has been about five, six years ago. And, uh, yeah, I was like, I think I can do this. And uh, I think that I, hopefully I would be good at it and that I would enjoy it. And sure enough, it, it came to pass. Who inspired you to make that jump? Uh, I, I don't know if there's any particular one that inspired me, um, you know, especially uh, at, at, at the mayor level, you know, because normally you think of people going and running for Congress and doing that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um, but I just seriously put, put some thought into it, and I was like, where could I have the most impact, uh, you know, and, and I thought that um, we pay so much attention to the federal government, we don't really think about how much power and control that local and state governments have over our lives uh and i was like well i, th I think you know it's, it's a bit of a uh maybe a bit of a paradigm shift right but nevertheless um and i i don't know if i had anyone that that really uh you know i mean i talked to people about it uh but i don't know if there was like a a single person that was an inspiration since becoming mayor glenn is there any one particular thing that you've been able to accomplish that you're most proud of 
Uh, there's been a couple things. Uh, we've uh, you know, just like the rest of the country, uh, we have a big problem with the substance misuse epidemic, uh, the opioid epidemic, um, and that's not something that's going to turn around tomorrow by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but nevertheless, we've been able to do some things. We've been able to uh, really get our nonprofits and our faith-based community uh, engaged and doing some things, which I think is great. Um, we've also uh, we need a lot more career and technical education in our schools, and you know we've we've been working on that as well. Um, I was able to not raise taxes, which for our first budget, which was a good thing while people still, love that. yeah, while, while still, you know, while still having the services that people uh, want and uh, think the government should provide. Um, so that's important too. And that's not something that, you know, uh, for me, it's just kind of a given. I, I really don't want to raise taxes. So uh, being able to do that and have a budget that still fulfilled what we're supposed to do is a great thing. Now, you talked about making an impact. I'm sure it's on that level of being a mayor where you can make the most impact, where you kind of can really get your hands dirty on a community level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And the mayor's the job that you can do that at. Uh, In fact, um, uh, former governor just left office, uh, Bill Haslam of Tennessee, and Senator Bob Corker just retired uh, from Tennessee. They're both mayors. Uh, Bill Haslam was mayor of Knoxville and Bob Corker is mayor of Chattanooga. And when I asked them which job did they like more, governor, senator, or mayor, they both didn't even hesitate. Oh, mayor. Because you, you do. You can get things done, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the uh, especially in Knox County, about 500,000 people. Uh, so it's not a little bitty place, but it's not New York City uh, by any stretch of imagination. But you are able to get some things done. You are able to accomplish things. You are able to push things in the way that you'd like to see them go. And that is very rewarding. And, uh, you know, if you're in the legislative side of things, say if you're in Congress or even the State House, you're one voice among many. But as the mayor, you can have the platform, you can have the bully pulpit, and you can really, uh, really push policy the way that you'd like to see it. Glenn, are there more politics in politics or in pro or in pro wrestling <laughs> the people are like man that's you know that's a big difference right wow no not really uh there's a lot of politics in wrestling as you well know um but i think that's i think that's really true of almost anything that we do right i mean anytime that there's more than one person involved with something you're you're talking about politics and you have to persuade people uh that your way is the right way or that something else is not the right way so it it pervades through everything uh and but i I think i think folks probably surprised when i say that because yeah you you know i mean there there is definitely a political component to pro wrestling as i'm sure there is everything else yeah, especially in radio. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, was it being a you know a WWE superstar? Was that an obstacle in the mayor race, or did it help you? What was that like for you? Uh, we tried to use it to help us uh, with my campaign. And when I say we, my me and my uh, my uh, kind of advisors, my campaign manager and other advisors, we knew we couldn't run from it. And why would I want to run from it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm proud of what I did. You know, and and any time that you're able to to get to the level of WWE and stay there for a long time, you know, I mean, you're good at what you do, and you you should be proud of that. And I, I think uh, I think too, what's happened is that the stigma, unfortunate, uh, and stereotype that has surrounded pro wrestling for a long time, I think that's starting to dissipate. Uh, and you know, it, it, a lot of it's due to things like this, where you know you're actually able to talk to people and, and kind of pull the, the curtain back and say, hey, we're, you know, we're people too. And in some cases, you have people that are very smart and very talented uh, in wrestling. Um, so I knew I couldn't hide from it. I was proud of it. and But I also didn't want it to define who I was. It was a part of my life that, you know, that we, we tried to have fun with and we tried to utilize to open the door. Um, and, you know, again, if I had just ignored it, I mean, that wouldn't have worked, right? So we tried to use it to open the door, but then – also we need to have substance uh so that when when people actually you know I, I could get folks to listen because of the wrestling thing but then i had to make sure that i could keep them listening because what i was saying had substance glenn i'm sure i know the answer to the question but i'd like to hear it from you and i'd like our fans to hear it from you was vince mcmahon supportive of you running for mayor absolutely he was one of the first people I talked to about it because, uh, you know, I mean, I, I had to have had to have his support because, of course, I was still with WWE. Um, but he was very supportive. And, and here's the thing, um, you know, Vince wants people to be successful. 
you know, whether it's in WWE, outside of WWE, um, because it, it helps his company. And, uh, and also, I mean, you know, we've had, we've had a long relationship. So, um, he wanted, in my case, you know, of course he, I think he, he wanted me to be happy doing what I was, you know, what I was doing. So, yeah, I mean, he, he got a big grin when I talked to him about it and, uh, and he was as supportive as anyone could possibly be. When it comes to, oh, go ahead, Bully, sorry. I'm just curious, Glenn, at, at this point in politics, What's what's the most uncomfortable thing that you have to do on a daily basis? What's the part of being a mayor that is most difficult for you, or that you're not you're not fully confident in it at this point? Uh, it, it it's still it is the political side of things, right? And unfortunately, you know you have you have issues that you deal with, and you can clearly see what the right way to go is, but you have people that don't want to do that for political reasons. And that really bothers me. Um, and it's how do you get over that? And how do you, you know, I mean, how do you not, you know, because, of course, the first thing I want to say is something that's not constructive. Um, but how, how do you how do you refrain from doing that? And how do you kind of, I guess, um, play chess instead of playing checkers? You know, and but but that's the thing is, um, you know, there there are people uh, that really try to sabotage stuff because it's that's just the nature of politics and they're going to get ahead and that's unfortunate but that's you know that's the world that, that I'm in right now you mentioned Vince McMahon what's and you said how supportive he's been what's the biggest misconception of Vince McMahon uh I, I think that you know that that Vince is this uh heartless just person that takes advantage of everyone and uses people until they're all used up and then discards the husk of a human being that he has pulled all the talent and energy out of. Um, and that is frankly not the case at all. I mean, yeah, does Vince, does Vince make dis- business decisions? Yes. But uh, one time I told him this to his face. I was like, you know, the one, the one thing that you're bad at as a businessman is you give people way too many chances. Wow. You know, they stab you in the back and then you turn around, and you bring them back, you know, and in some cases it's because he thinks he can still make money with them. But in other cases, it's because there's some sort of, you know, he just has something. He has some sort of emotional bond or something loyalty, like that. It yeah, it's, it's like. loyalty. It really is. Um, and, and almost to a fault with him. So, you know, that that is the biggest misconception. You know, I mean, he's a business guy and he has to make decisions based upon uh what he believes will lead to greater health of the company, whether you agree with that or not. In some cases, I haven't, but you know he's making a decision based upon that. Um, but it's also not like he's some inhuman, you know, some inhuman uh, um, devil that just wants to take advantage of people. That's absolutely not the case. And, and Glenn, as I've told Dave, and as I've told our listeners, I feel the same way about Vince as you do. There was a. 24-7 open door policy with him where you could go and talk to him about anything and he would give you the time of day and he would listen to your ideas or listen to your frustrations and you would get a yes or a no from him and you probably got the straightest answers and the easiest answers in the WWE from Vince McMahon. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Now, now the one thing that I would add to that though is, you know, how many times you probably experienced this too? You know, you're going to go in and I'm going I'm to get my way on this one, right? I'm going to get my way. He's going to see things <laughs> things my way and then you walk out going yes sir exactly you're exactly right and you're like he did it to me again you know how did it, that, that was always the case I, th- I think one time i was actually able you know actually able to get something changed and you know it, but most of the rest of the time i'd walk out and about like about 10 minutes later i'd realize wait a second that's not why i went in there <laughs> always yeah, my my, my always. favorites my favorite story about one of the boys was uh prince albert you know baldo yeah. you know he walked in there and he was unhappy with what was going on and he's like i'm gonna go in there and i'm, I'm gonna, gonna tell, tell him vince, yeah i'm gonna I'm tell gonna, him off man. i'm gonna tell him you know i'm six foot seven i'm 350 pounds i'm a monster i'm a you know i'm a bad dude and he, and he walked out of the office and he said Yep, I'm the hip hop hippo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Greatest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> the name of the book is Mayor Kane: My Life in Wrestling and Politics. And I know uh, this evening you're going to be on East Ridgewood Ave yep. at Bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey, and you're going to be able to, you know, meet a lot of the fans and sign some copies of the book. Yeah, be great. at uh, Bookends from uh, six to eight tonight. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out there. I've already had some people reach out on on Twitter and say they're going to be there, so I can't wait to see everybody. 
Um, I've been a fan for a long time, especially I'm, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what year it was, but you're on an episode of the weakest link. I'm trying to remember, <laughs> who, I'm Guess, trying to remember yeah. who you beat in that episode to win that. If I, I can't remember exactly who it was. Bully, could you re, do you remember? <laughs> yep. I did the job to the big red machine, <laughs> but he was in the finals. That's the thing. Yep. It, it came down to us too. Yeah, That's but he right. lost. No, but it's okay, man. But every, <laughs> here's the thing. You know, uh, we raised eighty-two thousand dollars, and then I got I got to pick where it went, and I chose uh, St. Jude's. So uh, this really was one of the situations where everybody was a winner. Yeah, but I, I kind of like saying that. I know, I know. That was the whole point of the story. <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I know it was, <laughs> but you couldn't you couldn't uh, the the host remember she had that thick British accent. I couldn't hear her. It was crazy. I couldn't <laughs> understand her. It was wild too, because like the entire audience. Uh, they just sat there in the dark, all wearing black shirts and black pants. It was a little surreal. And you know that lady was so you know well known for her zingers and one liners yes. that they would feed her in an earpiece. But we had a bunch of witty guys at there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, right Devon was there. Devon was, was there too. too. So not not so much. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so I mean, we were hitting her left and right, and yeah. man, she didn't know what to say. And I think we cracked her a couple of times. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot yeah, of fun. She, yeah, she. It's like you know, just like any other performer, she had a persona and she was keeping it up. But it was a lot of fun, and we did raise a lot of money for uh, St. Jude's. Well, let's dive into the book. Like I said, you're going to be at bookends tonight. I mean, first of all, when do you find the time? I mean, it's <laughs> it's unbelievable because I'm sure you have one hell of a schedule being a mayor, and then you're know, still uh, you know a WWE superstar, obviously you have a story that makes for a perfect book but what made you finally decide to put pen to paper i'd actually been uh kind of putting it together in my mind for a long time uh but before i won the election um and uh i I, you know it's just the right time and i have a little bit of political stuff it's not uh it's nothing that anyone is going to get up in arms about because it's not about people i I deal with ideas Mm -hmm. and philosophy um you know but uh now that my wrestling career for the most part is probably behind me uh I, I thought it'd be i thought that wrestling fans would really like it and of course being in the attitude era you know that's what everybody wants to know the stories from then and what it's really like and i was uh, a big part of that uh so i just thought it would, would would be a good book uh entertaining and you know hopefully uh you know people could pull tidbits out of it and see um and i think too that everybody's perspective on things is different i mean there's always you know, there's always the fact Right. There's always the truth of the story, but we all see it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, over the years, I've seen things that have been said about stuff. And I'm like, well, that's not quite how I remember it. Um, so just a different perspective. I'm not saying anybody else is wrong and I'm not saying I'm right. It's just that that perspective. But I think the more that people can get all the unique perspectives around an event, um, you know, the, the more they can consider different things about it and think a little more deeply about it. Well, Glenn, I'm going to ask a question that might be a little difficult, but hell, you're in politics, and this is the <laughs> ultra-political question. Um, how do you feel about what's going on in the country these days with this impeachment process? <laughs> I, I think it's awful. Uh, I think it's just awful all the way around. Um, the country has been divided for a long time, uh, you know, and, and in the book I write, you know, and, and people think that Trump started that. He didn't. He's really a product of it. He just took advantage of it, I think. Um, you know, and then also the entertainment of, of politics. I mean, now we have, you know, these uh, these cable news networks that are on 24-7. They're always looking for content. Um, and you have, you know, you have people um, who's just like we have people who are extremely passionate about wrestling. You know, it's kind of the same in the political side. They may not listen, you know, they, the, the wrestling folks listen to your show, thank goodness, you know, but then the political folks listen to someone else's show, but they aren't necessarily listening to it for news. They're listening to it because they agree and because it's entertaining to them. Um, and this this whole impeachment process, I mean, and, you know, uh, I think it's actually hurting the Democrats worse than anyone because in the end, uh, you know, Trump's, Trump is going to go out and, hey, they're, they're pulling all the cannons they can to get me and I'm still standing. And that's going to cause a real problem for whoever the uh, Democratic nominee is, I believe. Um, know, and then also, I mean, just look, sorry, but you look at the whole thing. It's like um, there are some real issues this country faces. And whether you don't, whether you like the president, whether you hate him, you know, um, some of those issues just get pushed to the side when we talk about this partisan politics. And it's awful.
Well, you just let me ask this. Hold on, Glenn. Where do you turn to for the truth? Or where can we turn to for the truth? I, I don't think anybody is 100% truthful no. f- with us, but where can uh, you know a, a patriotic American <laughs> seek out the truth of what's going on? I think you have to get it from many different sources, you know, and, and you know, uh, I think uh, actually a, a lot of stuff on Facebook and Twitter, you have to vet it, but in many cases you're getting, um, you're getting more raw stuff than you do when it gets filtered through. Um, you know, so, you know, you, you watch Fox, you watch CNN, uh, watch MSNBC for the different perspectives. But I think in the end, too, you just have to make your own decision, uh, you know, based on other information as well. And it's amazing, though, you can watch the different the cable news networks. And again, talk about different perspectives. You can, they can all have the same fact in front of them. But the way they cover the story, it comes off completely different, and the truth seems completely different. Well, like you said, when it comes to this book, it's 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 your perspective. Right. Some people look at it a completely different way. Same ins, you know, same event or same incident, but you're looking at it from two different perspectives. You said something that's very interesting when it comes to media. You know, we have an NFL channel here, and I remember I worked on the NFL channel years ago when all they talked about was the game. You know, they would break down a game. Yeah. You know who. Now it's nothing about what happens in the game. It's all about what happens off the field and incidents that have, happens off the field. It seems like that's media in general right now. They they kind of skirt around the the specific issues and they talk about everything that surrounds it. Yeah, and and everybody's a personality. You know, it's uh, <laughs> in my opinion, and this is coming from someone I guess who you know was a celebrity and got into politics. Uh, you don't want politicians to be in celebrities because then they use that that celebrity. Um, you know, in ways that can uh, all not alter, but influence the uh, objectivity of people, right? And so many things become about the person now, as opposed to about the policy. And we've seen stuff like, um, you know, correspondents can go out and say that, hey, I'm doing a poll for whoever, and they can take their opponents, you know, their positions and say, but he's He's, you know, they can say that the, the the Republican, this is what he says, he's running, you know, this is what your Democrat guy is saying, do you agree with this? Yes, I do. And there were, there were Republican positions. And the reason is because people are looking at the person and not at the policies behind that. And and that that is a real issue. Um, but that's kind of where we're at, you know, uh, as we've uh, made politicians into celebrities. And I, I don't know how you change that. And, um, you know, it kind of is what it is. It's it's funny for me to know you now as a mayor and having to be a people person and dealing with everybody in your in your town and shaking hands and kissing babies when just a couple of years ago you'd be walking into a locker room and going, Bubba, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm doing my match. I'm getting in the car and I'm going to the next town. <laughs> I, I'm, as weird as it sounds, I'm a natural introvert. I really am. Uh, and the thing is, though, is I've 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 actually gotten to like people uh, a lot, and um, you know, it, it again, it, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, for for many years, it was like just kind of leave me alone. I want to do my own thing. Um, and I found as I've broken out of that shell that uh, you know it, it's a lot more rewarding to be a people person than it is to not to be. How is life without gold dust by your side twenty four seven? A lot less stressful, actually. <laughs> No, man, it's uh, it's good, and then of course Dustin's doing real well. Um, so you know everything's good. How is life without without Devon by your side twenty four seven? I I feel two hundred and seventy five pounds lighter. <laughs> Speaking of twenty four seven, wasn't long ago you were twenty four seven champion? I, yeah, I won the twenty four seven championship. Darn right. I was hoping I keep it for more than ten minutes, but that's the way things go. Nobody holds that. Title no, more than 10 that's minutes. awesome, and it's and of course it's one of the most entertaining things on the show. And you know, our truth did a tremendous job in getting that thing over and being so entertaining. It really elevated him. So uh, I was just not happy to be part of that. Since, since you've become mayor, have they called you to do anything where you're just like, eh, I don't know if I can do that? Well, um, they've WWE's been very, uh, you know, very supportive and uh, very accommodating. 
uh, you know, and, and I did, I did, you know, the couple shows, uh, when I first got into office, cause we kind of already agreed to do those. Um, but otherwise they've been very accommodating when they ask me to do stuff, you know, generally they give me, uh, lots of heads up so that we can know about it. Even the, uh, the, uh, 24 seven bit, they were in Knoxville when I actually you know talked to them about, Hey, I think it'd be really cool if we could, if we could do this. Um, so yeah, they've, they've been very accommodating with stuff. And, you know, the, the main thing is just, uh, you know, this is a being the mayor thing is a full time job, um, so you know just being able uh, you know, I can't just pick up and and take off anywhere in the world. Uh, so they they've been very good about you know realizing that and working with me. The name of the book again is Mayor Kane: My Life in Wrestling and Politics. He'll be at on East Ridgewood Ave, uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Bookends. It's one of the best bookstores out there um and i'm really looking forward that it's just 10 minutes from my house so maybe i'll see you that'd be great yeah i'll come and stop by before we say goodbye because i know you're very busy and the whole big media tour you gotta give us a a bully story before you say goodbye oh no i'll come on you're saying come on (laughs) there isn't one you could share probably probably the best one um was remember remember las vegas was it the ladder match uh yeah (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I don't remember the entire night, but I know that, what you're that, talking about. Yeah, that's a good thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did did a bit where I forget who I was in that match, man, but it was me and Undertaker, you guys, was it Edge and Christian and the Hardys or something like that? Yep. I can't remember exactly who it was. You're talking about um, the TLC match? Yeah, it was the TLC match. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, sir. it was you by yourself. No, this was, on, were... this was on a taker. And oh. uh, basically we got on the outside and – uh, I'll never forget this. Uh, well, actually, here's no, the, the, here's the better one. Um, Taker did not like to be chopped, and you've probably told this story before. And um, so Bubba gets Taker in the corner, and he's wearing him over. Boom, 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 boom. And he sits back and just overhand chops him. And Mark just looked at him. I mean, he just looks at him. Bubba, Bubba just like goes, oh, I'm sorry. And then I'm on the outside like, ooh, he's going to kill you. <laughs> just Mark just completely no-sold everything and just stood there straight. And it wasn't even like he was mad. He just looked at you like, why do you do that? You know, and Bubba, had, Bubba we... immediately starts apologizing. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, we had worked with you guys enough where oh, I knew that Taker yeah. did not like to be chopped, and I don't know why I he just, just you, rifled one off. It just, I mean, it's just normal. You bip, 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 whack. And then as soon as he went whack, you went, uh-oh. <laughs> Dave, Dave, all I remember is Taker standing straight up, and then out of the corner of my eye, I see this giant red man jumping up and down on the apron go, he's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. That's amazing. That was a fun night. That's yeah. amazing. Good luck today in, in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Good luck with the rest of the interviews, and absolutely good luck with the new book. Mayor Kane, My Life in Wrestling and Politics. Mayor Glenn Jacob, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Hey, man, and Bully, it's good to see you, brother. Great to see you, yeah, brother. Man. Congratulations. Thanks, Very man. happy for all your success. Thanks. You too, really. I appreciate so it. So as Thank a politician, I guess you do have to lie. No. <laughs> If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Great man. Always got along uh, phenomenally with him. Lots of good times on the road with him. Uh, Had the pleasure of working with him for years and years. And here's a little something that I've never really admitted before, but it's the truth and it has nothing to do with him. It's probably all on me. He's one of the guys that I had the least amount of chemistry with in the ring. Wow. Yeah. I never liked working with guys that were much bigger than me. And as you saw, you know, him being in the studio, that's a, he's a big bastard. He's a big dude. You know, six, six, five, six, six, over 300 pounds at times. And he's, he's probably leaner now than he was back in the day because he was just a mountain of a man. And sometimes moving him around was just, it wasn't easy at all. Um, but he phenomenal worker in the ring, great career. Um, and I'm very happy to see him be so sex, successful in politics because we've had many a conversations in the locker room about it. And to hear him, you know, speak about everything else other than wrestling, he's very well versed. 
Very educated man. I'm really looking forward to diving into this book as well. And again, if anybody's in the Ridgewood, New Jersey area, this is your time to meet him because let's face it, you know, his wrestling career is, you know, either almost almost done or, or done, you know, because he's a mayor now he's in this world of politics. So he may not have many opportunities to, to be in, you know, to, to meet him and get a picture with him and, and, and take, and, take the opportunity to have a, a couple of words with them as well. And I think you'd get more than a couple of words. Just Glenn is not that kind of guy who's just going to sign and send you on your way. He's going to take a minute or two to, to thank you and, and have a little conversation with you because that's just the type of man he is. And I, you always get nervous, Bully. Whenever I have we have guests in studio and I ask to share a Bully story, I could always see your face and you're like, ah! And the story was amazing. I mean... That story I thought was fantastic because what obviously Kane can do, and you have a talent of doing this as well. You have a, a, a gift of of painting a a word picture of of when you feel like you're like you're there in the ring watching that. And when he described you giving that chop to Taker and and Taker just I can picture the face like again not of anger not of disappointment just like. Like why? Why? Why did you just do that? And you realizing probably as soon as you did it, like why? Why did I do that? Amazing story. And then Kane jumping up and down like a child, legitimately, like a child, going, "Hoo He's gonna kill you! He's gonna kill you!" And then Taker just said, "Whip me in and watch the boot." And I knew what was coming. So I whipped him into the turnbuckle and I just went running across the ring ring and that boot went right into my face. And that was my receipt and it was all over after that. And I'm guessing that's the one guy over anybody else that you didn't want to disappoint or you didn't want an anger would be The Undertaker. Well, listen, I've told you the story where I I screwed up with a chair shot on him and I put eight staples in the back of his head. I mean, I screwed up bad with him one night. And I learned such a great lesson in wrestling because Taker could have, listen, I could have come through the curtain and he could have punched me in the face. He could have took me in the back and yelled and screamed at me. He could have sat me down in front of Vince and berated me in front of the boss. None of that happened. I went back there. I went to go talk to him. He said, Bubba, sit down. And he goes, you can't do that. He goes, if you do that, you're going to get a reputation of being reckless, and you don't want that to happen because it's going to kill your career. It was a legitimate mistake. I'm not trying to make excuses. I know how the mistake happened, but whenever somebody is giving you their back the way he did for me to crank him in the, you know, catch him in the head with that steel chair and put eight stables in, there really are no excuses, but it's the way that he handled the situation that obviously makes Taker um, an a true professional in my eyes, but it's also the reason why, like when guys screw up with me, I never, ever take it to heart because I know that mistakes happen, whether it's a careless mistake or, you know, whatever type of mistake it is, I'll never be harsh on a guy unless they went out there to deliberately hurt me. And guys don't really do that. If you go out in a ring to deliberately hurt the guy that you're working with, not only are you unprofessional, but you're a puss. Because out there, it's, uh, you know, it's a work. It's a show. You want to get into a fight with somebody? Do it in the locker room. Go lock yourself in a room with somebody and see if they, who, who walks out. I, I think that's in any walk of life. You have to be professional. If you're working together, you need to be professional. And if there's something that needs to be said, you do it when there's some privacy, when you can, when you can do it face-to-face. Bully, you know, we, we, we kind of joked around and, and had fun with House of Hardcore from Saturday when I was a referee. I got to be honest with you. I'm not in that world. I always say you're the one that's a Hall of Famer that stepped into that ring and did it at a high level. And that was just a peek into your world by being a referee in that match. Being in that ring while everything is going on, it's it's amazing to me that there aren't more injuries. It's it's amazing to me that more people don't get hurt. Things happen so quickly and so fast, and you have to do that while communicating with one another. It, it really is amazing how you're able to do what you do. 
Pro wrestling is probably the most difficult thing in the world to do because you have to worry about so many things at any given moment, especially like you're talking about the match that we had the other night. You got you have so many moving parts, the communication. And while you're doing all this, oh, by the way, you have to entertain the people. And at any given moment, they might go in a different direction and you got to get them back on track with your story. You know, it's like with MMA fighters or boxers. What is their job? Well, their job is to go into the ring and punch, kick, and defend. Do, do fighters on a professional level really need to worry about entertaining? No. No. I mean, Floyd Mayweather may make it entertaining leading up to the boxing match because she's trying to sell a show. Conor McGregor might make it entertaining before an MMA match because she's trying to sell a pay-per-view, uh, sell, sell a, uh, you know, an MMA event. But once they get in there, their job is to legitimately try to win punch kick choke out whatever it is knock out their opponent they don't have to worry about whether it's entertaining or not for christ's sake floyd doesn't care if it's entertaining or not when he's boxing because floyd is actually considered a boring boxer he is floyd's the smartest boxer that ever lived but many people think he's boring because he refuses to get into you know slugfests with guys it's boxing. The idea is to not get hit, and Floyd doesn't get hit, and some people con- consider that boring. Do you think Floyd is worried that the 20,000 people in attendance are not being quote-unquote entertained? No, you he's don't trying care. to win a fight. Wrestling is a much different story. We are constantly worried and concerned about whether or not fans are being entertained. And like, you know, the whole Orange Cassidy thing at House of Hardcore the, not, peep, the other night, people are absolutely shocked that I would do the Orange Cassidy spot with him. There's no way Bubba would do that. No way, no way. You know, you should have just killed him. Well, how is that entertaining? How are we helping Orange Cassidy? How are we getting Orange Cassidy over? Orange Cassidy has a particular shtick. My job is to be able to work with his shtick and make it work for the both of us. And that's all I got on that. And and I want to go back to The Undertaker for just one second. And it was a great story. And if you missed our interview with Kane, go to SiriusXM app and listen on demand and or, or listen to our podcast. And I'm sure Kane's interview is going to be on that podcast later today. But, you know, and we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but there was so much with Survivor Series and, and War Games that we didn't really get into it. But just quickly, I just want to talk about that sit-down with Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. And again, for you, I mean, you've been around him for so long and, you know, been in the ring, been outside the ring with him. For us fans, that was a very special treat. To the point, Bully, I watched it again last night before Raw, and I'll probably watch it another time. Just to see him in that type of a setting, to hear his real voice even, and just communicating and having a conversation with Stone Cold Steve Austin, man, for somebody who's followed his career, for somebody who's watched him for 30 years, it's amazing, Bully, that somebody that has entertained us for 30 years, you never saw that side of him until this past weekend. Living the gimmick, brother, just ha- like he said in the interview. Yep. When, when you have a gimmick like that, you, you need to live it 24-7. He lived the dead man gimmick. Do you know that when they would travel? So in the car, and Shane McMahon tells this story, it would be Shane. I'm sorry. It would be Taker. And I think maybe, I think it was maybe uh, Godfather or, or, or Midian. Anybody that was in his clique. They would wear sunglasses 24-7. They would even wear their sunglasses while they were driving at night. They lived the gimmick so much. I'll never forget the first time I met The Undertaker in uh, in the Bada Bing. Yeah, the first night I ever met Taker <laughs> in, the, in, in the Bada Bing, right? And we're, we're in there, and um, one of the girls, uh, actually Big Dick Dudley's wife, worked there and she said come on i'll introduce you to the undertaker and i go and we go up to this this area in this dark strip club really dark strip club and there's the undertaker and uh papa shango in sunglasses wow just living the gimmick just sitting there by themselves no girls around them no nothing just sitting there drinking what's up brother how you doing (laughs) Papa Shango asked me, hey, kid, you got any smoke? (laughs) 
<laughs> and think about it, even when the environment around pro wrestling completely changed, he didn't. You know, you know, he could he's not somebody that did like a shoot interview. He's not somebody that, you know, would give quotes about this and that. It wasn't until really that Ric Flair 30 for 30 documentary that you got a small glimpse of the man Mark Calloway. But you never got it like we did this past weekend. So, you know, again, if, for anybody who hasn't watched it yet, definitely go to the WWE Network and watch that sit down with Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. Absolutely incredible. And you know what? The American badass is his legitimate, you know, real personality. So for our, your entire career, you got like the American badass playing The Undertaker. That's why when he became the American badass again, um, it, it, it worked so well because it was a natural extension of his own personality. And Dave, how about the clip when they're in the back and Vince McMahon is giving them the rah-rah speech and Austin just keeps repeating everything that McMahon was saying <laughs> and Taker is so close, so close to laughing. To see those moments where he almost cracked, especially with Bradshaw in the ring, because Bradshaw flat out admits it on TV. I tried. I almost got a smile out of you. <laughs> and just having him, just watching him do shots of Jack. I mean, it, oh, oh, it I popped mean, so big. Like, you know, oh, that, like he gulps it down. He's like, oh, I hit the spot. It's the freaking Undertaker, man. That's, it's awesome. That- the bottle of Jack popped me huge because and obviously that's what we drank at all times. And, you know, if you wanted to win in wrestler's court where the Undertaker was the judge, there was only one way to bribe the judge. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. I would say last week, we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. There's so much going on in that Bill towards Survivor Series. But last Monday was disastrous when it came to this storyline. Lana made a big goof on the microphone. Uh, it didn't make any sense with the um, with the restraining order either. It was it was, I was like, all right, now it might be time to to wind this down. This could be the end of this storyline. It's really gotten to the end where it's now it's just not even creative anymore. But then we got what we got last night, and things got physical with Rusev. And even, you know what, Lana was great, too, with her facial expressions, her reaction to everything. And then Lashley, too. I really thought they they made a turn for the better last night in that story early on Monday Night Raw last night. I enjoyed the segment that we got last night, and I enjoyed it because Rusev got it over. He really did. Last night was all on Rusev. And the great I, I really enjoyed the real cops. Those were real yes. Rosemont cops, which we never get to see. I'm surprised that that happened. You got the real cops, which you know adds to the realism. They handcuff Rusev. He's got this crazy look in his eye. He's able to shoulder tackle Bobby off of the stage and through a table on the floor, whatever. And I, I was pissed off because they shot Rusev's face. And Rusev had this wild look in his eye and his tongue was out and the cops are holding him back and he's looking at the people, showing the people how crazy he is. And then they shot Bobby Lashley and I'm like, no, go back to Rusev's face. That's where the money is. Eventually they went back to Rusev's face and you saw him, his, you know, his eyes are bugging out of his head. His tongue is out. He's showing everybody how much of a nut he's, you know, he reminded me of in that moment. Who? Do you remember the movie Face Off? Yes. Remember when Caster Troy started the riot in the prison because he needed all the prisoners to think that he was a nut job and he had that crazy look in his eyes and in his face? That's what it reminded me of. And it resonated with me because I was like, yep. That guy means business. He doesn't care what happens to him. He doesn't care how many nights he has to spend in jail. He's going to get the job done. I'm kicking your ass, Bobby. I know I'm going to jail. I know I'm getting cuffed, but I don't care because I got the best of you, and everybody in Chicago knows it. And TLC is the next pay-per-view for the WWE. I'm guessing... What, what, what's the name of that show? TLC. TLC. Tables, ladders, and chairs. 
Oh yeah, I think I heard of that. I think I, I think I heard of that. I think you might. Have, I think you might have done more than just hear of it, bully. So, so anyway, I'm, I'm guessing we're gonna get a match between those two at TLC. Or do you think that this story should last even longer than that? Or is this a feud that can get past with a match at TLC and continue after that pay per view? Um. I think we definitely can get a match at TLC. I don't think they would have done what they did last night uh, to not build to a match at TLC. We've gotten enough storyline where it's probably time for a match. Maybe put them in a tables match. I hate those chairs matches. They're so stupid. I hope they get rid of the chairs match. It makes no sense. TLC should uh, uh, comprise of maybe a tables match, a um, dedicated TLC match, or two. I don't really love the idea of two TLC matches on the show because a TLC match is special and it should be kept special and kept for the biggest the biggest uh, angle or storyline that you have going into the show. And then all of the other matches can, you know, be be regular matches. I don't believe that. Remember when when uh when TNA used to do lockdown and yes. every match was in a cage? I love the I love the the name of the pay-per-view, I love the concept behind it, but I hated the fact that every match was in a cage. I, I didn't think it worked. So I, I'd like to see them get rid of the chairs match. Um, or if you wanted to do like, I know this is going to sound stupid, but if you wanted to do a chair on a pole match where you had to have a regular match and then whoever gets the chair can use it, I, I think I'm okay with that. Um, but Bobby versus uh, uh, Rusev, tables match? Sure, why not? I like it. Let's go out to the nation to see what they think about it. Let's go out to Brian and Long Island. Brian, what do you think about Rusev, Lana, and Lashley? Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up, Brian? Not much. Um, honestly, uh, last night's Raw was really the first Raw I've watched in, God, about a year. Um, my, my wife passed away a year ago, and it's been hard kind of getting back into the whole rhythm of watching Monday Night Raw because that's something that we did together. No, but, I'm sorry um, to hear that, Brian. Uh, thanks, I appreciate it. Um, but it was kind of yeah, it's kind of weird because I'm like, okay, you know, who's this? Who's this? I had my phone out the whole time to like catch me up with the storylines. It was good, um, especially that you know the Lana Rusev um, Bobby Lashley angle. Bully, you were right. You know, real cops. You know, it wasn't just some. Uh, Indie wrestlers, guy. yeah, yeah. indie wrestlers, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, a guy with, like, long hair and a ponytail trying to hide it, and you're like, okay, that's not a real cop. It's a, it's a great point by Brian, because nine, nine times out of ten, that's exactly what you see. Yeah, I mean, you're looking, and like, okay, not even actors, like, they would never even cast those guys as cops. So, but, yeah, it was it, it had a little more realism into the whole thing, and... um I really hope that they really do this well. You know, that the payoff eventually will be in a match at TLC or something, you know, a little along the lines of, you know, because, you know, you always see the Lana, you know, Lana and Rusev together, um, but this is, you know, really it's like, okay, you know, kind of looking at Rusev like, all right, this is a guy who's on his own now, almost like a baby face, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's just very interesting to see this. And yeah, and, and Brian, and first of all, I'm, I'm, you know, sorry to hear about your wife, and I'm glad that you're finally able to get back in, into watching Monday Night Raw again. And you know, and then now he's new to this storyline; he hasn't seen all the bumps in the road that we have seen. Just by watching last night, bully, he's hooked. So mission accomplished by just one segment from last night. And I think the reason why fans are enjoying it more and why I believe I'm enjoying it more is it's no longer about Bobby and Lana gratuitously making out. It's about Lana being a lying, lying conniving, deceitful, homewrecking bitch. And that's where the heat is directed to now. Like her screaming, that's my boyfriend. That's my boyfriend. And her lying about the pregnancy and, you know, the restraining order and all that. Now, there's real genuine heat there. Yeah. Not the overt, you know, making out, which is just like, it just, it never really felt right. Maybe if we got that once, it would have been good. 
because they forced it down. They they really forced that down our throat. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you know when they just showed up and started making out out of nowhere. Like if they would have built up to that, I probably would. It probably would have been easier for fans to digest. But I like where they're going. I hope we get a good payoff to it. I think we will. Let's go out to Jim in Texas. Jim, at least I'm hopeful we will. Jim, <laughs> what do you want to say about Rusev and Lashley? Well, my question is, isn't Bobby Lashley already married? He's ex-military. And if I'm not mistaken, he's got kids. So now how they're working this is if I was working it, what I would do would bring in Bobby's wife, on the other side with Rusev. Wow. I mean, you know what? You know what, Jim? You're, you know, unfortunately, you're in a windstorm while you're calling us, but thanks for the phone call. And actually, a great idea by Jim Bully. Like, you know, we talked about the realism with Rusev and, 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 and Lana. We know that they are a married couple. You know, hey, you know what? If you look into it, we know that Lashley is married and Lashley has kids. Maybe you bring the wife into the storyline, being like, "What the hell is going on here?" You know, like that could that could be a wrinkle in the story that could be kind of fascinating. And we would assume that Lashley's wife is somewhat okay with this storyline because I'm knows, sure it's maybe. not. Who knows? You know, it kind of this storyline kind of reminds me of like remember in the Howard Stern movie when Beth was in the car with her friends and she had to listen. You know, to Howard on the air being so vulgar and disgusting uh, in front of her friends. Yep. And, you know, it was a very uncomfortable situation. But, you know, the wife, Beth, was willing to accept it. So we know that Bobby's wife is probably somewhat on board with this because, you know, she has to sit back and either watch it, hear about it or whatever. So as an idea, if, if Bobby's wife is on board with that or if they think they can make money with that, sure, why not? Because how funny would it be for Lana and Bobby to be in the ring and all of a sudden on the screen pops up Bobby Lashley's wife in that same restaurant in Cleveland? <laughs> you know? She show, at, the, at the steamer in Cleveland, and all of a sudden, Rusev walks over to the table and is like, I'm very sorry to keep you waiting. I don't know what accent this is, but this is my Rusev. <laughs> <laughs> Close Sorry. enough. Oh, that was a horrible laugh. You do, you do a much better Tommy Wildfire, Rich. That's for sure. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.